Welcome to the Core Women Podcast. My name is Dr. Summer Watson. I'm a doctor of psychology, podcaster, published author, coach, producer of documentary empowerment films, and empowerment seminars. This podcast is a special place for the hearts and souls of women. It is a place where women share their journeys, strength, resiliency, strategy, and passions. Today on the show, I would like to welcome Christina Hader, also known as KP, who is a world-class marketer and storyteller. Her company, The Hollywood Approach, helps people accelerate results in their business and life. KP's executive track record includes overseeing the marketing and research for a 15 billion global hotel advisory company. And prior to that, two hotel tech companies, all while moonlighting as a screenwriter. Her action thriller script is on the way. Her new book, The Hollywood Approach, just came out. She travels by motorcycle, jumps into waterfalls, and is a guest chocolate chef. We have so much to talk about. So let's dive right into this, KP, and welcome. Thank you so much. It's great to be here, Summer. Thank you, KP. Before we jump right into your professional journey, can you tell us a bit about your personal journey, where you grew up, and how some of these interests may have contributed to your professional journey? Absolutely. So I grew up in, uh, in a suburb of Green Bay, Wisconsin, and was a swimmer right from the get-go. Like, Wisconsin has even more lakes than Minnesota's 10,000 lakes, although we love our neighbors. Um, we have more, and my parents wanted, we had some surprise, and my parents wanted to go to all of them, and so did I as a kid. So I love, love swimming my whole life. And um, I grew up in a really uh, entertaining and character-rich Belgian family on my mother's side. So loved stories, loved chocolate. That explains a lot. The other side of the family was bohemian. That sort of explains the wandering bit. Ah. And, um, and the storytelling as well. Like you've got to be a good storyteller to hang out with that crowd. And uh, so a plot twist in my life was I developed panic attacks many years ago, just, they came out of the blue. Um, for me, they were totally physical, not at all related to my, anything I could consciously connect to them. And so after 10 years, I was in disbelief for a long time that they were panic attacks. I didn't really believe the finger quote diagnosis, um, but I got to a point where they were debilitating so i had to do something about them and what i chose to do was buy an international plane ticket and travel to the dominican republic where i jumped into 27 waterfalls to try to break up the wiring that was causing the panic wow wow okay so you really stepped into your courage you stepped into something where you were just like going to really switch that kind of brain map, that electricity that was in your brain and just really try and overcome this, maybe even embrace it to work through it. Yeah, yeah. And at the time I was working as a story analyst and screenwriter in Hollywood. And so my job was literally every day to read story after story, scene after scene and decide, is this action, is this character's action, is this character's decision moving them closer to their goal in a meaningful way, or is it moving them like toward a plot twist or you know some kind of interesting downfall yeah. for, for the story, but how is it related wow. to the character's goal? Is it moving them forward, is it moving them back, or is it irrelevant? And how entertaining, how 
how much do I care about this character and why? So it was the intersection really of that work and that job and this, you know, uh, this fateful panic attack one day where I was like, I really have to make some different choices if this is going to change for the next 10 and like 50 years of my life. Yeah, absolutely. Well, for the rest of your life. Yeah. Because you could have allowed it to debilitate you or you could have changed that dynamic that was happening in your life. And funny thing is you recognize that, you know, there was not just this plot to twist, but there was a parallel to where you were asking those questions in what you were writing, what you were doing professionally. And then you had to do the same for yourself. Yeah. So really very interesting. And it's amazing that you could actually see that and kind of step outside of yourself and go, mm, I need to actually do the same for myself and see where that's going to take me and how I'm going to be my own disruptor of sorts. Yep. So, interesting. Okay. Now to use this jump in phrase, you have jumped in to so many professional arenas and have flourished such as journalism, marketing, and research, feature film writing, and being an author. Can you touch on some of your history in those professional arenas and how you gained skills that have supported your passion and how this has helped you support other speakers and executives craft an impactful message? Oh my gosh. I would love to be able to do that and succinctly in like a <laughs> minute and a half example. I'll give it a whirl. You may have to give me the, the sign if I'm getting too slow, but yeah, journalism. I was very fortunate that my, where I did my undergrad at UW, uh, University of Wisconsin Eau Claire was a really strong journalism school. So they had a lot of programs supporting things. Um, so I got to uh, be a host on a talk show my junior year. And it was on, you know, local TV, but mind you, Eau Claire was one of the top five smallest markets in the country. So it was a little bit ironic that it was called International Insights. But I, what I realized in doing that show is I love putting the whole thing together. Midway through, I acted as producer. I saw the real life challenges of working with another producer before I started producing my own shows, um, being, being the talent, working with the writer to come up with the questions and try to make an interesting conversation when, you know, really, and really everybody can do it and does it now, right? On YouTube right. and Zoom and throw it up on Facebook. But back then, that was really like a big deal. So uh, that was a really great experience. And at the same time, I landed a job at the NBC affiliate in Green Bay. So I'd drive back and forth the four hours. I'd get the anchors there to comment on my tapes and <laughs> give me tips about what I should be doing, how to do it better and, and so forth. So those early years in the newsroom, um, I also worked in print news later. I, I moved to Phoenix after college and, and worked for Tribune newspapers. But those early, and I think those early experiences, or maybe it's maybe it's also first-time experiences, but we do stuff and we're just so curious. I mean, the curiosity and just, I love to be in the center of an environment, just absorbing all there is. And it's fascinating to me for your listeners who may have watched Aaron Sorkin's The Newsroom, mm -hmm. uh, it's a show on HBO, and just the symphony of how a newsroom works. And you know exactly what you're doing, especially if you're doing live you know, 30 minute news and just like what, you know, what, what happens those seven minutes and what every single part in the operation is doing before that show goes on air. Same thing, a little bit different pace, like in the print world, but 
fascinating to me. And I think the organization of the stories and the editorial, you know, slate for any given day was just something that maybe, um, you know, didn't resonate right away because it wasn't my job to do it. But later when it was my job to do it for companies and to, to then be in PR and be deciding what's our, and research, running research, what's our research slate look like and what's our process for getting it scrubbed and cleaned and um, not only dissected, but verified and, and just all, all those kind of things. So there's so many things that I think we take in from our either first time experiences or um, you know, early years uh, when we're when we're doing and in, in in a new environment. So, it, so for me, the crossover between all of the roles. I then moved into advertising and ran an advertising department for a year and a half, and then after that, moved into marketing for the hospitality industry. Mm. And so I was on the technology side, and then I was on the real estate side, which was awesome. And I love the autonomy of kind of running my show finger quotes again, right. inside the show of the bigger company, maybe running my program on the network, uh, but what, you know, however you want to call it. And then in my late twenties, I began screenwriting. So that was like, I thought, oh, I watched many movies. Sure. I can write a movie. That'll be great. And it was like, boom, shakalaka, like <laughs> the, the precision of the craft that is used in writing movies is in another stratosphere. It's like my first professor said, um, screenwriters are to writers as Olympians are to athletes, as top guns are to pilots, and as green berets are to Marines. Mm. And I was hooked. I was immediately hooked because I'm like, oh my God, I love this. I had just come out of a company that was not so well run. And I was just so impressed at the excellent, just like the, it just, everything about everything was like the excellence. And we studied, you know, mythology and going back to Aristotle and just all these different angles of what makes up a story and a, a character's choices and actions. And we just asked a million questions over and over again. It's like, why does this character do that? And why, why is it so important that you um, fix this problem of panic in the water? Why? And why is that? Oh, because you care about swimming. Why? Oh, because it's what you do with your niece and nephew. Why do you care about them? Because family is my, you know, and so there's a million and one little things and big things, but mostly little things that all add up to make something so special and precious and, and, and a passion, right? And so my toolbox just kept getting bigger and bigger until I finally started needing to, you know, drive a truck around <laughs> to fit all my to fit all my tools in but uh yeah so so the but the big crossover the the thing that ties it all together is the different aspects of storytelling right and you have so many tools first of all i thought i was the only one to say boom shakalaka so that was great <laughs> <laughs> i was like oh that was so cute <laughs> it's so cute. I thought, oh, wow, that is too funny. So it sounds like you have a huge tool bag, a kit of such magnitude that you can help other folks support other speakers and executives create and craft a beautiful and impactful message. Is that something that you like to do? I do. I love to do it. And I think what's interesting to me now, as I've moved into helping speakers, 
and have studied what that's like. And I was a writing coach for TEDx Cambridge for a couple of years. The way that we write a speech, even if we're memorizing it or we're memorizing the bullet points or whatever, is very different. The way we approach speaking for to be effective at it is very different than the way a screenplay is approached, for example. So like, for example, in a screenplay, um, repetition is like the sign of being a novice. If you use the same, like if you'd use boom shakalaka, unless that was your show me the money line, right. if you would use like, you know, unique words twice, if you would repeat them, that's not like, that's a sign of not really being great. Right. On the other hand, to make something stand out when you're doing a speech, you have to repeat many, many times because the way that we as humans take in the spoken word is very different than the written word. So even just so like just that knowledge and just, you know, yeah. figuring out what, what what can be accomplished with a 60 minute keynote speech or a 20 minute TED talk uh, versus a, you know, 60,000 or 80,000 word book versus a 20,000 word screen, but, you know, just using kind of all the averages, but it's like, understanding that the audience of each is having a completely different experience and it's a completely different medium. So I don't know, it's totally like nerding and dorking out to do that, but I do love that. So it's like, I love to share with people like, oh, great, you did this. This would be great for a speech and for a blog or for a post or for your movie or for whatever, we can, you know, we can, angle it this way or edit it this way right it's great for them that right well i love your how you bring all that wisdom and expertise forward to really help others really kind of mold and create their impactful message so you recently released your book the hollywood approach can you give the listeners a general overview of the book Sure. The Hollywood approach breaks down the same exact things that I use to create a heroine or hero on screen. And in the book, chapter by chapter, I show people how to apply those same things to real life so that people can get clarity, they can create a badass game plan, and they can expedite their results. Oh, my goodness. And they can find this book where? anywhere fine books are sold. So Amazon, Barnes and Noble, your, um, your independents like in Tarabang in Dallas or Powell's books in Portland, or really I have people who bought them in I think 10 countries now around the world. Oh, fantastic. Now it must be so exciting for you to be a feature film writer. Can you give us a glimpse of this action thriller in development? Yes, I can. It's about an FBI agent who becomes the target of a covert agency. Uh, and he has to, he receives this algorithm. Sorry, I wasn't planning to talk about this. So I have my pieces <laughs> very rusty on this one. That's so an FBI agent who uh, is discharged. He's a little bit disgruntled and discharged. He's been having some uh, bad panic attacks, getting over witnessing his family's murder when he was 13. And he receives this mysterious algorithm and learns that, uh, and it, by the way, it's a little bit futuristic, so it's in a crime-free Washington, D.C. in the future. A crime-free Washington? <laughs> well, 
Sorry, what's that? Crime-free Washington, D.C. Yes. Interesting. Uh-huh. Yes, in the future. Uh-huh. And he realizes that it's not crime that has gone down, it's the criminals. And the secret to not only why that has happened, but also his own family's murder is all in this algorithm that he receives. And he becomes a target for assassination by this covert agency that's running the whole shebang. Wow. So the story has been optioned and like gone into pre-production or like gone into pre-pre-production has been announced in Variety. Um, It's been all these things twice. It's been optioned twice and it's now, it went back on the market last fall. Wow. Okay. So like a typical screenplay, that's not, it's not atypical um, at all. Uh, you can read lots of stories of lots of films that, you know, did this for years. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And when it is optioned, you know, you might have three companies pick it up or three companies fighting and then all of a sudden they'll go away. And it's, it's really an, it's yeah. really an interesting process. And um, you have to be courageous and kind of like, okay, I'm putting it out there. I mean, this is your writing, you know, this is your storytelling. As you said, you come from a background of storytelling. You come from a background of traveling and you're bringing that all forward. And that is so interesting. I love the premise. Yes. And that project is with a co-writer. So yeah. And it's like anything in life. You, you really, you have to know the game you're playing. And if you think you're playing a different game and then you don't like the rules, you know, like somebody could be very disappointed uh, or frustrated by, you know, having a project sell and then, you know, like looks like it came together and then it didn't. And of course it is disappointing. And of course, but that's the game. That is this, that's this game. That's this game. (laughs) So um, you just, you know, like everything in life, you know, and we could probably make parallels to the pandemic right now, like the pandemic, I don't know that we want to call it a game, but I try to look at things as a game. If it's a game, and it's the game we're playing, it's the game we find ourselves in, you know, what kind of mindset, attitude, choices can we bring, can we develop to to play it better and to be better equipped and more resilient or just less attached to the exact step? I think that's really interesting because that does give you the strength sometimes that you need with such disappointment that you can confront in the industry that you're in, because it's like modeling or it's like acting, it's screenwriting, it's like, boom, boom, but you're working so hard towards your goals and you keep putting it out there and you keep putting it out there. Where do you find that energy, that courage, that strength to just keep going even when you encounter somebody who doesn't want your stuff. How do you keep going? Well, I think it's like most people, right? Well, for me, and I will say for me, sometimes it's long breaks in between. Like, like looking at the squirrel running outside and just, just distraction and going on to a project that I have more control over, which is my book. You know, it's my solo project. I make all the decisions. I call the shots. It's me working with the publishing team, of course. Yeah, so I think there are different strategies for that. So yeah, for me, sometimes it's long breaks. Sometimes it's recalibrating and going, okay, was I staking, was I banking my whole entire career on selling this one screenplay? And maybe at one point it's like more yes than no, and maybe other points it's more like, okay, it's a nice to have, let's have fun with it, something to talk about and work on adding other screenplays to the 
um, to the mix that that can be kept that that can be pitched, but also knowing the odds. Like so, sometimes it's just re recalibrating and and thinking like, okay, like less than you know whatever per, you know less than. 10% of stuff gets made, if even that, and 26% yeah. of that is female writers. And so it's really, uh, it's a long shot, it's a long game. It's, it's about having talent, yes, it's, but it's also about timing and connections and, and some luck, some luck and mojo. So not putting all the eggs in that, you know, that can still be a basket, but it's not the only basket. There's gotta be other, other baskets because as you, you know, as you said, I do have a big toolbox and I love, I really just love helping people, whether it's editing or talking through their ideas or get, getting a book published or even marketing, even, you know, doing their marketing and storytelling for their company. I love all those things so much and I love talking about the depth of character and neuroscience and all the elements that go into telling a great story. And people have different reasons for wanting to get their great stories out there. So when people have skin in the game and they really have something at stake, whether it's, okay, I'm going on TEDx Cambridge, red dot, or whatever, I, I need to make this company successful so I can support my family or whatever the thing is, I need this book as a part of my suite in my business. Uh, if people have skin in the game and they're like, yeah, I'll, um, you know, they're ready to listen and they're ready to do the work, it's very, it's so, so satisfying to be the, the collaborator and the, the partner in crime with them to help them achieve their goal. Yeah, I absolutely love that. And when you do have skin in the game, and this is why I asked that previous question, it can be hard, even knowing the game, knowing the dynamics, knowing the formula, knowing all of that, still, you know, combating that resistance or really embracing that rejection and saying, okay, that's okay. This is okay. I will keep moving on. And knowing that you don't have to put all of your, as you said, your eggs in one basket, you can diversify. And there's a lot to that. You have so many, you yourself, KP, have so much, so many skills. You can bring forward those skills and help so many people. And I love that history, your journey, um, what you're doing today, how you've diversified, um, what you do, being an author, a screenwriter, um, somebody who loves to produce is what I gather, mm -hmm. um, and to help other people. So as we come to the close of our interview, my last question is, if you were to leave the listeners with some words of wisdom, what would they be? They would be to make more conscious choices to choose consciously. And so how that might apply, especially now during the pandemic or during maybe a slower period is take that moment and be thinking about whatever your goal is this week or this month or this year. First of all, be clear on that. And then are you making the best choices to move yourself toward that goal? Are you aligning your resources, your time, your money, your friends, your allies toward putting yourself closer to that goal? And if not, how can you be? And how can you make a more conscious choice? So that's the big picture. Make more conscious choices. Thank you for that. And thank you, Christina, for joining me on the Core Women podcast today. Such an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Summer.
Absolutely. If you would like to connect with Christina Pater, you can find her at Christina Pater on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook, and at www.christinapater.com. And you can find Christina's book, The Hollywood Approach, online at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and all other online retailers. If you need a strategic empowerment coach, contact me. If you want to tell your story of empowerment or how you have reconstructed your life to drive change, send me a video or an email of your story providing permission to use it on my social media platforms. If you want to be featured on my podcast, reach out to me at infoatcorewomen.com. I want to hear from you and to get to know you. You are now part of the Core Women Home. Let's get to know each other. Let's learn from one another. Please follow Core Women on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Please let your women friends know about this podcast. If you write about Core Women in your social media posts, please hashtag Core Women. This is all about women. Thank you for taking the time to learn more about Core Women, and please stay tuned for continued growth of the Core Women movement. Let's grow and drive change together.